Welcome to a Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real life stories. I'm Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Marketed Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local craft makers to reinvent the way food and beverage products get to market in Oregon. Our vision is to inspire, mentor, support, and assist local producers to reach their fullest potential. Thank you, Marketed Choice. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Masonian Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. Thanks for joining us as we learn about the experiences of female food founders. We're glad you joined us live today. We're honoring our social distancing and each calling in for the show as we're a live radio show. We think it's important for us to be here with stories of hope and inspiration for all of our food friends out there. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Masoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Sarah, I've been following along on your um, Instagram feed this week. Uh-oh. And <laughs> and you've been doing lots of cooking, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And um, lots of olive oil posts from the Food Innovation Center, because I know you're in, in charge of the Food Innovation Center site now, too. Did you um, yeah. go to do any of the olive oil stuff? No, or? it's just that I have an olive tree in my yard and I'm buddies with Bogdan Sisu, who is kind of in charge of olive oil stuff. Yeah. Um, so he and I sort of collaborated. He asked me, could you place these pictures out for everyone to see? And I was like, sure. Well, it's so, so cool. I, I just bought some olive trees this year as well. Are they hard to grow? I still have them in the pots I bought them in. <laughs> No, I mean, in the ground, I definitely planted it in the ground. And this is my third year. The first year I had like three olives. The second year I had about 20. This year I have about 100, 150. Yeah. And I actually need to get those picked because it's getting pretty cold. Yeah, it is. I think we're getting into our freeze zone. Well, um, I'll I'll brine them um, and then I'll put them in some vinegar and salt and water. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I um it leads us into our food news is why I wanted you to talk about your olive experience because um the where I bought my olive trees from was from Durant and they usually have the olive oil festival happening this time of year. I've gone out there the last few years and either taught classes or done book signings or things like that, but they're doing it a little bit different this year since they can't have a big gathering. Usually it's just one weekend and everybody comes. So this year they're doing some different virtual things. Um, They're doing some cooking classes that people can sign up for. You can still go out there um, and check out the farm and um, 
learn about all of their olive oils and you can schedule some private tastings and things like that. So they're still trying to make sure that olive harvest is celebrated, um, but they're just doing it in a little bit different way. So if you want to check it out, you can go to durantolivemeal.com and check out what they have going on. Uh, but it's really a wonderful experience and especially to go out there during this time of year. It's so beautiful with the olive trees going and the all the red and yellow leaves falling everywhere. It's really nice. Have you been out there, Sarah? I have. I yeah. uh, went out there actually a couple times on toots. My husband will jump and take me in the car and we'll go drive out there and check out what they have going on. It's fun. Yeah, it's super fun. So I recommend that people check that out. It's something fun to do and it's a really, it's a big, beautiful place. So it's very easy to social distance and still go have some outside fun. Yeah. And there's other food news too. Market oh yeah, Choice. let's hear it. Yeah, Marketed Choice has a great local producers event right now with over 2,000 products at 20% off, and it lasts through December 7th. So yeah. make sure to go in and stock up on all your local favorites. That's really awesome that they're doing that. And um, I don't know that and everyone will understand what that means for us local makers, but usually when a promotion is run, the maker has to offer the discount. So I would have to say, you know, I'm going to give you this product and I'll sell it to you for this much less money. And then you can do a 20% promo, but market of choice is just doing it for all of us where they're actually offering the promotion. So we still sell it to them at our regular price, um, which is really helpful for all of us local makers. So it is a big, deal. It helps us out a lot. So thanks dudes. <laughs> I'm excited really that cool. they're running that promo for all of us. I love yeah, it. Super cool. And then it, you know, it's passed on to the customer who gets to go and have a good discounted item from all of us local makers. Yeah. Super cool. Super cool. If you are a food entrepreneur and have a press release or information you want us to talk about, you can send us a message to our Instagram at Masonian Marshall, or you can uh, send a comment to startupradio.com in the comment section. We want to help you spread the word about events, new products, or any awards you got going on. So send that info our way. So we have a wonderful guest we're joined by today. I would like to introduce you to Sasha Archer of Sobe Shub Shrubs. Sasha is the maker of small batch, cold pressed, handcrafted, fermented drinking vinegars and concentrates, bitters, and health elixirs. And she does that at on Sobe Island, just outside of Portland. Welcome, Sasha. Hey, hi. Good to be here. Thanks, Sarah's, plural. Yeah. So when you go across the bridge, are you to the left or to the right? I am to the left. I'm off Reader Road on Oak Island Road. Okay. Now I know where you are. Uh, I want it, Sasha, I want you to talk about, um, before we get into your business, I want you to talk about what it's like to live on Sobe Island because I've never known anyone except for you that's <laughs> lived there. <laughs> it's honestly pretty magical. It yeah. is amazing. And it's kind of the best of both worlds because I really feel like I'm out in the country in a rural area and yet I am 10 miles from Portland. So it takes me about 20 minutes to get to my commercial kitchen in Northwest. Um, but my road in particular is very, very quiet and rural. It's three miles long and there's six houses. Um, 
and I'm surrounded by incredible bird life. This is kind of a sanctuary for birds. So there's thousands of sandhill cranes right now. Um, there's eagles and owls and white snow geese. And it's kind of a birder's paradise. And I, I do think of myself as a birder, but it's beautiful. And it's a really, it's a sweet community out here. I feel like there's a lot of um, young farmers that are starting to move to the island. Whereas before, when I first moved here about five years ago, it was a whole lot of um, like fifth generation farmers, but it's a lot of younger folks coming now. And so it's nice to kind of have that community. I think um, it's been really nice. I, I didn't spend too much time on Sovie Island. I think like most Portlanders, I would go out there for, you know, harvest season. Like you go out there to get your pumpkins or do the corn maze or something like that. And that was really my only experience. But um, you started the Sovie Island Farmer's Market last year. And so now I feel like I've been out there a lot and a lot more. And it's cool that it um, like moves around to different places. So every time we go oh. out there, I see like a new farm and get to experience that where I had only really been to the pumpkin patch before <laughs> I hadn't been to the other places. So it's been really cool to kind of check out what's going on out there. And then I've met a lot of people that live on the island that I feel like I never would have met. And it's so cool to get to know everybody. It seems like a really fun community. Yeah. How do that's you know great. which farm that's it's at? It's a little confusing. I mean, we <laughs> at, we <laughs> promote it and market it, and I try and get that information on Instagram and Facebook and out into the world on the Facebook groups. But the reason that we do that is actually because of the county restrictions out here, and it definitely has its pros and cons. But like Sarah said, it's been really fun to kind of rotate and get to experience all the different farms because also, like Sarah said, I think people come out here and they go to their favorite farm or they just go to the beach. Mm -hmm. um, so in that way, yeah, and then all the farms get to host us as well. So it's kind of a win-win um, but we'll see what next year holds. I'm hoping it's just a once a month market and I'm hoping we can get an every other week market going and maybe have a permanent location as well. That would make things a little easier logistically. What was it like for you to um, start the farmer's market and then all of a sudden go from being somebody who would normally be a vendor to being a market manager? Yeah, that's, that's been... Interesting, challenging, tricky, and really rewarding all at the same time. Yeah. Um, as mentioned, there's a ton of restrictions with um, zoning and land use and events out here um, with the county. And so I actually had been working on the farmer's market for about three years and they weren't budging, but I was finally able, I just kept pushing and I knew that there was enough farmers and makers and artisans out here that um, really needed a market to um, sell their products. And I also thought it would be a wonderful way to bring together the community out here um, because the island is quite big. It's the size of Manhattan. And I think there's a couple thousand people, which you'd never know because it's so mm -hmm. spread out. Um, but yeah, we finally we finally were able to do that. Last season, we only did two markets, and I was able to get the county to agree to that kind of just as a, um, uh, just to try it out. And I think that we got enough really positive feedback from the community here and from all the vendors that they let us give it a shot this season. And um, as far as managing 
and or being a vendor, I've kind of done both for the market. And it's really hard to juggle, but um, I wouldn't be able to um, do the market, I don't think, if I didn't have such amazing volunteers and coordinators. So I have three other market coordinators, um, a friend that lives out here, Ruthie, and then Kyla and Jennifer. And um, together, I feel like we can really pull it off. And it also allows me the opportunity to vend. If I want to, I'll often have my booth right next to the info booth, and that seems to work well, or I'll hire a friend. But it's hard. Nobody can sell your product like you can. And um, if I'm managing the market, then I'm having regrets about not vending. And if I'm vending, I'm having (laughs) regrets about not being able to play that manager role as much. So I've been playing a little bit with it each market, trying to figure out what the best fit is. And I think next year, maybe I'll do half and half. At half the markets, I'll vend and have one of the coordinators manage. And then the other half, I can be market manager and put that hat on. Well, I think you do a good job of doing both. I mean, I I don't notice that it's even a struggle. It seems like, you know, everything runs really smoothly. And I, I love being a vendor at that market. And I think that although this year was different, I think last year, I loved the sense of community that was there. It really felt fun. There was all these different activities. There was stuff for kids to do. There was music. There was, you know, games for the kids to play. It was really great. And I mean, I hope that... Um, you know, next year we can come back to that kind of interaction again. Cause I think it was, a, it really felt like a good close community event, which was really nice to have. Yeah. Those are all those pieces that we've really been missing because of COVID, but yeah. we'll get there someday yeah. again. <laughs> uh, we want to help people be able to connect to you and to the Sovie Island farmers market. So can you tell people your Instagram handles just so they can find you? Yeah. It's at Savvy Farmers Market. And then what's your business one? It's at Savvy Shrubs. Perfect. (laughs) So everybody can find you there. So we want to walk people through your journey as a food entrepreneur. So can you start by telling us when and why you started? Absolutely. So I have kind of had a lifetime of um, digestive issues, Um, a lot of gut health issues and um, constant heartburn that nothing really seemed to remedy. And so about, I'd say about 10 years ago, I kind of learned about doing shots of apple cider vinegar and um, started tried that out for heartburn relief and gut issue relief. And um, found that I really hated the taste of apple cider vinegar straight up. It was just too much. Um, And on the back of the Bragg's apple cider vinegar bottle, I saw that they had a little um, recipe book that you can send away for. Um, So I got the recipe book and saw that there were lots of different recipes for mixing like lemon and ginger and honey in with your vinegar to make it a bit more palatable. And I just started playing around with using a lot of different fruits and herbs and spices and either honey or sugar or agave and found that I really actually quite liked it that way. And it was pleasant and even more pleasant if I mixed it with sparkling water um, or in my tea. Sometimes I'd put it in my tea, but I definitely was taking it about twice a day, um, once in the morning and once in the evening. And within about a week, my all my digestive issues cleared up. Um, and I haven't stopped since then. And also I was, um, 
trying to lose weight and apple cider vinegar can be a great aid for weight loss too if you take it regularly and I ended up losing about 80 pounds in a year and a half and um, I think that was definitely part of it Um, and you know it's great for so many different um, health issues I mean there were other things I've had leg cramps in the past apple cider vinegar because of all the potassium is amazing for leg cramps Um, so I'm a total believer and I've, yeah, been making it ever since and found that over the years I would introduce it to friends and family and most of them wouldn't know what it was, um, had never heard of the word shrub, which is Arabic and means to drink and, um, shrubs have been around forever, um, since, yeah, hundreds of years. Sarah Missoni, do you ever take, um, drink apple cider vinegar? Yes, I do. Do you drink it just straight or do you, do you do like shrubs? Have you, I, I don't do it consistently. Um, it happens when I have really bad heartburn. It's like one of my Mm -hmm. last lines of defense. I'll either go apple cider vinegar or I'll actually go baking soda. Just depends. Yeah. Um, but I definitely have issues with that too. How about you? Do you ever have heartburn, Sarah? (laughs) <laughs> I no, I don't have heartburn. <laughs> but, you eat a lot of hot sauce. So I do eat a lot of hot sauce, and luckily yeah, my body's <laughs> into it. It's totally fine. Um, but I have had Sasha's shrubs, and I I like to just take. I know people make like cocktails with them, but anytime I yeah, I just like to take pulls off it. <laughs> you know, I'll just take a little drink. <laughs> a lot of people do. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because I have customers come back and say, I know you have all these great ways and suggestions of how to use it. You talk about salad dressings and marinades and I just want to drink it straight. I just take yeah. a slug of it. <laughs> yeah. And you can. I mean that's totally fine too. Some people it's hard on their teeth. So I don't know. Yes, you have. That to is careful. one thing I w- was going to say. If you're doing it regularly and straight up, like you shouldn't do that probably daily because yeah, it can take enamel. the enamel off your teeth. Eventually. I don't even think it touches my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> like an oyster? Like, yeah. <laughs> Just shoot, yeah. shooting it? That's, that's the thing. I'm, Shrub shooter? <laughs> Some of the really spicy ones are good when you have a sore throat. You can just sort of gargle it down and kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I have a fire cider that has heat in it. Sarah, have you tried the fire cider? I have. Well, so here, I want to talk. I want to have you talk about your shrub club because I just joined it. (laughs) I know. You signed up today and I was kind of shocked and awed. I thought that was just, I was like, is she signing up because I'm on the show? And (laughs) no, well, I didn't know you had it before. And so I was, yeah, so it was my birthday present to myself. So I was, I was figuring out my questions to talk to you about last night. And I was like, what's the shrub club? And so I checked it out and then I was like, I'm joining it. so funny. What is great? Yeah. Tell people about your shrub club. So it's kind of unique. It's my own version of a CSA monthly membership. So all my um, ingredients come from Savi, except for about 3% of, you know, when it's wintertime and there isn't a whole lot growing out here. 
But um, I just figured it's a great way to support the farms out here as well. And I, um, yeah, every month I make two different seasonal shrubs and I highlight an ingredient. So for example, last month, the um, highlighted ingredient was cardamom. And I did a fig apple cardamom shrub and a pear cardamom shrub. And so each month a member gets either two eight ounce bottles or two 16 ounce bottles of the shrubs. And um, I do delivery or pickup or ship. And it's, yeah, it's super fun because you never know what the flavors are you're going to get, but you know they're going to be seasonal. And I always um, send out an email with a recipe or two to Shrub Club members each month to go with those. Um, yeah, and especially during these times during COVID, it's kind of just like a nice little treat, a nice way, something to look forward to every day. Um, and, and they're great because they can be cocktails or mocktails, um, or if you're Sarah, shrub shot on its own. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I felt what? like sometimes I, sometimes I missed out on your cool flavors you were doing. So I, this way I won't yeah. I know, so and they're all such the... small batch right now. So I was just going to say the Shrub Club members always get the first pick, right? And then whatever is left over, I sell. But oftentimes it's just seasonals that I make just for Shrub Club. Sarah, were you going to say what's something? The difference be yeah, what's the difference between just a fruited vinegar and a shrub? Um, a fruited vinegar, I think, is just made with just fruit and vinegar. But a shrub, you're going to add a sweetener to it. So some of mine are made oh, okay. with honey and some are made with um, cane sugar. And I'm about to start dabbling with monk fruit as well. I'm super curious about that and recently got some samples. And I know a lot of people always ask for um, ones without sugar or low sugar, even though my shrubs are already super low sugar content. They're less than a gram per serving. But um, yeah, a shrub has a You should try allulose. I've never even heard of that. What you is could, that? Yeah, try allulose. There's a company in town called Icon Foods out in Gresham, oh. and they have all of the sweeteners. And you should try allulose. Okay, I think that's where I got... What is allulose? You know, allulose. I don't know what it <laughs> that is. Thing. <laughs> it's like the new thing. Gosh, you're going to make me look it up. I'll look it up. <laughs> well, I think that Icon's Food is who sent me a bunch of samples of monk fruit. Um, they probably so, are, yeah. Yeah, it was a local, okay, a local guy. I'm the worst with names. I can't remember his name. <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever even tried monk fruit e either. Is it sweet? It's a monosaccharide it is. You know sugar. Who, you know who uses it is um, um, hibis bloom has monk fruit in all of her um, hibiscus drinks. Yeah. That's so cool. I don't, I, I haven't, I haven't seen it or, or ever used it or anything, but. I really like it because it doesn't taste artificial. I hate stevia um, and monk fruit Stevia's tastes terrible. like a natural sweetener to me. Ugh. So yeah, agreed. Yeah. <laughs> um, what start like sparked your desire to take your, um, you know, experimenting with these shrubs and and turn it into a business? Yeah. Um, 
So as I was saying, um, friends and family started getting more interested. And right around the same time, shrubs kind of started blowing up. Like I started noticing that in bars, um, there were a lot of like specialty cocktails with shrubs. And I think just after that, kind of the sober curious movement started up and folks were looking for a lot of um, alcohol free drinks um, and other options to cocktails. And so it really kind of started becoming a thing. And um, friends were saying, you know, you now is the time you'd be crazy. You've got a, an, a really amazing product here. Your friends and family are already buying it from you. Like you should just go for it. Um, it's really prime time. And so, and I was kind of burning out on my other job and wanted a change. And um, yeah, it just seemed fairly serendipitous. Plus I was thinking about starting the farmer's market out here. So I was already working with local farmers and growing a lot of my own food. I'm on 10 acres out here and we have an orchard and And so it really, everything just kind of fell into place. And then I met Hannah Kohlberg and um, she told me about the recipe to market program. And we actually became pretty good friends. And I, um, yeah, signed up for recipe to market and did that last, when was that? Last summer, I guess. And Hannah was my advisor and continues to advise me. and, And that was just such a phenomenal program. And yeah, it was pretty much everything I needed to launch the business. And so here cool. I am. Well, we're glad you did. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about some of the unique flavors that you do. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities, and new experiences, because food brings people together. Oh, that was a great break. Now I want to hear all about how people can use this product instead of drinking alcohol. You talked a little bit about it, but tell us a little bit more. Have you thought about making a real drink? Ready to drink? I have. Yeah, I was thinking about maybe doing like a shrub, a sparkling coconut water shrub or something um, in a can. Um, But I, yeah, I'm kind of at this weird crossroads where in order to scale up, I got to make some big changes. Um, And so, but eventually I would like to make a pre-mixed shrub drink. Um, We have a can sealer at the Food Innovation Center, so you can do a small run there. And then we also have a kind of a new little company in town that's helping people get their beverage businesses up and running so we can help connect you there as well. That would be amazing. Yeah, I'm starting to think about co-packers a little bit, but that's, yeah, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, (laughs) And yeah, there's, I mean, I drink them every night as a mocktail with sparkling water. Um, They're really good in um, with like ginger ale or tonic too. A lot of people like them with tonic. I'm not a tonic fan, but um, I know people that will put them in their juice in the morning or in a smoothie. I mentioned that I like them in my tea. I'm an Earl Grey drinker, Earl Grey tea drinker, and I'll put in like um, the pear cardamom, or I have one that's apple pie with 
cinnamon and nutmeg and ginger and that's delicious in black tea as well. Um, they're especially good for salad dressings. Um, one of my signature flavors is a blueberry ginger and people love that one as a salad dressing. And all you have to do is add olive oil and I like to put fresh herbs in with it as well. Uh, they make a great marinade um, or a finisher for like roasted root veggies or um, meat. Um, I also like to drizzle them on like Greek yogurt or ice cream or sorbet. Have you tried aging them in a, like an old wine barrel or something like that and kind of get into the balsamic sort of? I idea? haven't. I've, I've thought about that and there is a um, shrub maker out of, no, she's not a shrub maker. She's a vinegar maker out of Seattle. And um, she was at that, um, roundtable event last week and she does that I think she ages a lot of her vinegars for like a year um it's intriguing for sure yeah I think all that stuff sounds fun but it also is very hard to do that commercially right. <laughs> anytime yes. people have wanted us to age hot sauces before and stuff and we did it once with um BJ from uh, smokehouse tavern and um they really had to end up doing it because it was like we couldn't sit on yeah. product for that long or have the space for it or anything like that. Because when you're putting things in barrels, it's like if you have a small commercial kitchen space, you know, everybody's like, get this barrel out of here. <laughs> exactly. I know. And people ask me all the time if I make my own apple cider vinegar, especially like having access to all this, these apples out here. But I don't. And I tried it once and like that was such a process in itself too. I would like to partner with um, Peak Light Cider, the hard cider um, business that just opened out here. There are some friends of mine and I've talked to them a little bit about saving their cores and mash and making apple cider vinegar for me. I mean, how cool would that be to have the vinegar also come from Savi? Yeah, yeah, that would be super cool. That would but be it, outstanding. It is yeah, it's just like a whole nother process. Then that would be, it's like yep. you kind of have to go one way or another. Like if you were going to do know. and then have someone else make the product, maybe like you're making the vinegar and then they're, you know, exactly packing or something, you can maybe do it like that. But I've been making vinegar in my office at the Food Innovation Center <laughs> for two years. Of course you um, have. <laughs> I took a magnum of, uh, champagne that we didn't like it was too dry and I just added some sugar and I poured some um, vinegar mother in there and yep. every once in a while I give it a shake I'm pretty sure it's ready I just have to pop the lid and taste it and see where I'm at yeah so I love cool. that kind so of champagne so vinegar yeah, yeah yeah it is fun I tried to, yeah, sometimes those experiments can go very wrong though. When I was testing recipes for my <laughs> cookbook, I was trying to like come up with all these uses for things that people would, you know, get rid of. So like, say if you were making a shrub and you have what's left over that you strain out, I was trying to make all these different drinks with it. So I used um, champagne yeast and, and the leftover stuff from straining and put it in there and it, I went to open it. I had some exploded. friends over to the kitchen. It exploded everywhere. And like my friend Brooke Ooh, was over boy. and she was doing the illustrations for my book. So she came to like have like a meeting. She has this, she had this beautiful long hair at the time. And I doused <laughs> her in like funky, stinky, like <gasps> that's drunk. really good for your <laughs> hair. <laughs> I know. I think she probably yeah. looks beautiful afterwards. Shrub, but she had to go home and shower for sure. You know what? <laughs> Sasha was telling us that she's making some zero waste 
waist stuff with the, um, she called it the mash, but I call it pumice. Oh yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Tell us about it. Yeah. Speaking of experimenting, that's kind of exactly what I've been doing. Um, Yeah. I wanted to do a whole line of zero waste products with the leftover mash so that it, you know, didn't get tossed out or wasted. Um, And I actually really like the flavor of the mash. I mean, of course it's super potent with the vinegar, but um, the first thing I started making was a shrub jam. So I just made a huge batch of that for the holidays and it's delicious. Um, This one's a strawberry rhubarb, rose and ginger. And um, it is quite vinegary, but it pairs super well with like a hard cheese like manchego or goat cheese and crackers. It's kind of like a real specialty jam, but delicious. And then um, I wanna do a fruit leather, but I don't have a food dehydrator. I need to I think you should do, um, you should do a fruit cheese. So what you would do is put a pretty high concentration of pectin into it until it became almost uh-huh. solid like a gummy. Or and like then, a quince paste. Oh, yeah, like quince almost paste. Almost like membrio, like the yeah, guava paste, the Spanish. That's Don't funny because I just leather. was I just was eating membrio um, two days ago, and I love membrio that Membrio has a idea. much higher point of sales, and you can – Sell big chunks okay. of it to market a choice. They can sell it out of their <laughs> yes. cheese case. And you can fit into well, that I, cheese cheese case section of the store, right. which is always a really popular one. And people are willing to experiment a little bit more because they're already That's adventurous so to try all these cheeses. Might I think be a little be spicy and yummy. Yeah, it would be brilliant, really good with Sarah. Cheese. Well, it's funny because during that roundtable event last week, we all had to come up with our two minute pitch. And I was talking about the zero waste products and, um, and the other one is a fire cider seasoning salt, which people go nuts for. And um, John Boyle, the market of choice buyer was really excited about those and was like, yes, contact me after this. Let's get those. I bought the problem is the batches are so small. Like I, you know, once I use the, (laughs) I just can't Here's make what enough. you gotta do. I there's you can find them online. They're just these little molds. They're shaped like a pyramid and maybe holds like mm-hmm. three ounces. You just yep. make the stuff, pour it in there, put the cover on, put your label on, and sell it. And so the pieces are very small. They don't have to be cut in the store, and they're super right. attractive. I've purchased that from okay. France. Ooh, so, yeah, and then it looks fancy and it is fancy nice packaging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is very specialty. Yeah. But um yeah, I mean I thought about doing gummies too, like a shrub gummy, maybe even with C B D, but then it's like a whole nother that's thing a whole nother too. world. Yeah, this would be a little bit yes, easier process. And I think cool. I, I love that you're tackling the um zero waste. You know, that's like a big passion of mine. And I and I know that Sarah helps a lot of people with that kind of stuff. So um, as you're getting into it, always know you should go to her. She's got the best ideas ever. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, super excited no about your feedback and ideas, Sarah. Yeah, let's make some and try it. Yeah, I okay. think it sounds really awesome. I'm in. <laughs> Sasha, if you were going to pick a flavor that um, described your, and represented your business, which one would it be? Hmm. Um. 
I mean, I always say the same thing and I feel like it's boring, but the strawberry rose, I mean, the strawberries on Savi are epic. Everybody comes out here for strawberries and they're so delicious. And um, also Nootka roses grow super wild out here. And I use some of those with regular rose water in the shrubs. And I just feel like it's like the most amazing taste of Savi summer, the strawberry rose. But also, I don't know, the pericardium is another, you know, it's just like fall out here. Sasha, I know, what else. And apples. I know what else you have to do. <laughs> you gotta tell get me a, to tell. A soft serve machine. So you can wow. whip up some fruit soft serve with your, uh-huh. um, with your mash. And Sarah, Sarah's can, a real ice cream lady, so she is <laughs> yeah, like a sorbet and a. Um, I was just yeah. gonna say, I think sorbet would be even better. Um, yeah, just have yeah. that machine and four bucks every full two ounces, four bucks. Yeah, at the farmers market, you could have it at, at your booth. <gasps> that would be amazing. Yeah, That's oh, what man. I mean. I'm gonna try and. Ma- I'm going to try and manifest that. That's such a great, <laughs> great idea. I'll, I'll put that on my list for my, um, my uh, IDA grant money that will come in from MISO. Yeah, because all you got to do is <laughs> dump some sugar in there and add some pectin and they'll freeze it. Is that it? I mean, I've you never bet. really made ice cream on my own. Well, so. I would make a sorbet. Right, right, right. With yeah, sorbet, that would, yes. That would be great. I have a feeling you ladies are going to be experimenting with some fun things together. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) Sounds good. So Sasha, do you sell your um, products in stores or you just sell them on your website? I, yeah, into some real obscure little tiny kind of specialty stores at the moment. I did have them all in the three farm stores here on the island, and I wasn't sure how they would do over the summer, but they were just flying off the shelves. And so I was having to restock like every other month. But now that those farm stores have closed for the season, I really would like to branch out into some local co-ops and um, market of choice um and yeah a couple other stores the i mean a lot of stores have expressed interest but my problem is just um scaling up in production my kitchen's very small and i don't really have a lot of storage space so i'm in the process of trying to figure all that out but i also really love being we always talk about people being in stores and um you know all these different places that starts to happen but you know uh, my, I really, my business was the most thriving when I was just selling stuff myself, <laughs> not doing, not doing stores, not being in tons of places because you make so much less money. So I, I just want to say to you that don't feel the pressure to have to do that because as long right. as you're selling enough to, um, you know, keep things going where you're just doing it directly through your wonderful community and through, um, you know, your website and all of that stuff, um, it's it's really better to sell it sell it directly that way. You don't have to get into wholesale, but then once you get into it, you're in it, and you have to keep going right. forever that way. You know, so you just kind of have to think about don't I? You know, think about what you want to yeah. do. 
I'm really glad you brought that up because my dream and vision was never to be like a national brand or to go big, right? I wanted to be hyper-local. I wanted to sell it on Savvy. I wanted to do direct-to-consumer and have those connections and and, uh, experiences with customers. And the Shrub Club, like I wanted to really grow the Shrub Club and my goal was 50 people and I'm at 60. So now the goal is at 100. And um. And really, that's pretty been pretty sustainable. And I love it. And I keep telling Hannah, you know, one of the things for me is that I don't want the joy of making the shrubs in the business to go away. I feel like if I'm just cranking out the shrubs and it's all about production and getting it into wholesale and stores, then it's going to, the joy is going to be taken away. And um, I never want that to happen. So... Yeah, I think just know that it's okay to say no to some of those things. Like if you go right. to one of those meetings and someone's like, we want to bring this into all of our stores, it's okay to be like, ah, you might be too much for me to do. Because if it, right. it forces you to go to a co-packer or forces you to do have right. other people do it and you're not doing it anymore, it just might not be the right decision for you. So just know it's, right. it's okay to say no to people. Yeah, sometimes. so you're, I appreciate you, that. You're on 10 acres. Is there like some abandoned building there you can reclaim? <laughs> that would be cool. I don't think the county would go for it, though. Why? It's it not is... the county. It's the state. Well, wait, which county <laughs> no, are you in? Columbia? We're Multnomah. Oh. And hey, um, there... It's not a county decision. It's the state. It's Oregon Department of Agriculture, Food Safety Division. That you need to talk to manufactured, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I know there aren't any. I wish there was an abandoned building here on the (laughs) island. Yeah, it would be super ideal if there was a commercial kitchen space. I know the Grange has a commercial kitchen, but, um, you know, they're not really open right now. And you have to share it and rent it. And the beautiful thing about my kitchen is that I'm the only one using it. It's my old employer's commercial kitchen. And it's in a um, model steam train railroad warehouse, which is really kind of cool and obscure. But, um, but I have the kitchen to myself, which is super ideal. Um, That's really nice. That's super nice. Yeah, I think you should try to keep that as long as you can. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Yeah, I want to come check it out. It sounds cool. I've never. I I just super cool. cool. Yeah, I thought you just made um, stuff in your home. It's no, it's called Staver Locomotive, and um, Larry. Yeah, they're my old employers, and they when it's not COVID times, they open up the warehouse four times a year to the public and run trains and man, the kids just love it. It's huge, huge space. It's really neat. What did they make in there before? It was more for events. So over the years, they've done a lot of huge events there. And, um, and that's, yeah, really kind of it. There's, there's never been another like food or beverage producer in there. That's really cool. I wanted um, you to talk about your labels because they're so beautiful. Um, do you do the artwork on those or? No, that is the artwork of um, Camille Shu, who's a local Portland artist that I've always loved her art. Um, and a good island friend and neighbor of mine, um, when I was first thinking about labels and artwork, and I was just telling her 
But I wanted them to be really beautiful and um, representative of the island. And the sandhill crane is like my favorite bird out here. And they they are in the um, cornfields across the street from my house. So I'm just constantly surrounded by them. And so, yeah, I asked Camille if she would do the botanicals that really are representative of the fruit that grows out here and a crane and love what she came up with. And I do think they're really beautiful. People really are drawn to the labels and love them. Yeah, I think you made a good choice with those. It's really nice to have. I like when um, there can be artist representation within people's labels. I think it makes it really fun. That is cool. So we've talked about your shrubs, but you do end your um, jam. But you have some other products, too. You want to tell people about those? Seasoning salt? Yeah. Um, yeah, this, well, the, yeah, the zero waste seasoning salt is a new one. And that's, I use the mash from the fire cider and um, dehydrate it and then mix it with um, sea salt. And um, that is super delicious. But really, I mean, the fire cider in itself is pretty amazing. It has 20 medicinal ingredients and um, the signature flavor one is elderberry and rose hips and all the rose hips come from the island. But then it's also got like medicinal mushrooms in it as well, like reishi and lion's mane, which are super good for you. Um, and I, I don't know, I really, I love my fire cider because it's not quite as spicy. Yeah, this is not going to appeal to you, Sarah, but it's not quite as spicy <laughs> as um, the other ones on the market. I'm kind of a wimp. And so um, this one, people try it and they're like, wow, like it does have a bite, but it's not so much that it's just like burning and you can't even taste anything. Um, and so... Yeah, it's kind I of. I think a nice they're all fun. I like the really burning ones. Yeah. I like the not really burning ones. I bought a scorpion right. pepper fire cider the other day. That was wow. a little much, <laughs> but was it was it? pretty burning. <laughs> yeah, it was super burning, yeah. but I was into it. You know, I was like, it makes me know that yeah. I'm alive, and so I like that. Oh, totally. <laughs> well, and I yeah, I love the fire brew ones for um, salad dressings. <clears throat> Those are super good. That's cool. Well, Sasha, um, I'm trying have, to think of what else oh. you have any advice for brand new businesses or people thinking about entering the marketplace? Um, yeah, I mean, beyond like, just really go for it. But I would say first, reach out to other food and beverage makers such as myself um, for support and resources. I mean, I'm not sure that I really would have fully gone for it if I hadn't have been introduced to Hannah. And um, she sat down with me kind of for like a free advising session and then told me about recipe to market. And um, yeah, don't be scared or shy to like reach out to the Food Innovation Center or to other makers, especially if it's a similar product to something you're thinking about launching. Um, yeah. I think that's great advice. I think it's, it is good advice. Yeah, I think it's good for people to connect and talk about what they want to do and um, and reach out to other people. I mean, I think over and over we realize what a strong food community we have here in Portland, and um, and I think that sometimes people may, might be afraid to reach out, but they really, you know, exactly usually met with pretty open arms and and good advice from those of, those of us out there. Yes. 
it's a collaborative community here in Oregon, isn't it, Sarah? I think so. I think we have some it pretty really great, is. great people that, um, I mean, you know, that want to help anybody. I, I think I think it's rare, but I think it definitely exists here for sure. I mean, I've seen people come in from outside of here that didn't really fit in and they they were more they held their knowledge more closely to their chest and they didn't ever succeed. Mm. They ended up leaving. Yeah. Yeah. It does feel really tight knit. I mean, even like my quote unquote competitors, like all of them have been so helpful and are always like willing to pass on like a supplier or give advice. Um, I just am so grateful for that. And I think, too, through that Pacific Northwest Food and Beverage Group we belong to, too, like that has been so helpful just to, like, be able to constantly converse with other food and beverage makers. And, yeah. Yeah, I think it's nice for us to stay connected, even especially during this time. Yes. Yes. Ladies, unfortunately, we are about out of time. Unless, Sarah, did you have final questions? (laughs) I don't. I'm a woman of few words today. (laughs) (laughs) You're on Zoom fatigue. You're allowed. (laughs) It's just the way it is sometimes. Well, Sasha, how can people, um, where do they go to buy from you directly? Yeah, my website, SavvyShrubs.com. You can also join the Shrub Club on there. And um, I also take will take orders off of Instagram, too. Sometimes if I'm doing, like, a very, very small batch item, I'll just advertise it on there. Um, so, yeah, but best cool. way would be the website. Cool. Well, everybody, go to Sasha's website. Follow her on Instagram. It was great to have you on the show today. Thanks for coming on. Yes, thank you. Oh, it was you. so fun to be here. Yeah, appreciate both of you. Thanks so much. Totally. Marketed Choice is Oregon's largest independent family-owned grocery stores. With 10 stores in Oregon, it's all about choice. We focus on having a wide selection of the finest and freshest conventional, natural, organic, local, and health-conscious products. We believe the way we source products has a positive ripple effect across our great state. That's why we're proud to offer over 7,000 local products to our stores, and the majority of those purchases support our local, robust, regional food system. To find the Marketed Choice nearest you, visit our website at www.marketedchoice.com. At Marketed Choice, we buy local so you can too. We record Missoni and Marshall live every week. Listen Fridays at 9 a.m. or find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, just send us a message and we will be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye for now. Committed to serving Oregonians with the mission of advancing science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are inspired by the creativity of new food development. We strive to find new flavors, new economic opportunities, new experiences, and honor diversity. We are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace because good food brings people together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.